Victor and Lois are siblings who were both diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Lois lives and works in London and Hector is a student living in Vienna. In their weekly podcast, Anxiety Calling, they'll be talking about different aspects of living with generalised anxiety disorder and how they get by in day-to-day life. And we just wanted to give you a quick trigger warning again at the beginning of this episode because we'll probably be talking a bit about some physical symptoms that we experience in connection to our anxiety around food but we also will be touching on the subject of eating disorder so if these are subjects that or things that might trigger you um so from my own experiences i um when i was a teenager was um one of my teachers went to the school doctor and voiced concern that she thought i might be anorexic um i was I why was, do you I, think they voiced that well i was very skinny um we were all I was very also, skinny yeah that's the thing we were all genetically us, i think we were very skinny children and but i got when i was i suddenly grew quite a lot when i was a teenager and then i got even thinner because they kind of stretched out and so i was quite thin but not only that i was very very tired and very depressed because i was i mean i was depressed i was you know i i've been struggling with depression for a long time and um i was very pale I didn't also have what pale also this is very pale. I had very pale with incredibly, incredibly dark rings under my eyes. Um, I was very flat chested, um, very like my bones were very visible, but they always were, you know, and I was very lethargic, um, quite irritable. And I um, was, like I said, I was quite depressed. And one of the reasons I was depressed was because I was at school. Um, because I just didn't. School I, is really yeah. depressing. I really, really, and that's the thing, I, I just really, really hated going to school. I absolutely hated it. I hated everything about it. I hated having to get up at six in the morning every day with having, like, having not being able to sleep because I couldn't sleep at night. I hated being stuck at school from eight until, like, sometimes 3.30 or 5 p.m., learning stuff that I, most of which I wasn't even going to need later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um and I hated that it was like literally by law, I didn't have any other choice but to do this, you know? It was, it was very, it was quite hard for me at school. And I, I wasn't even like, I can't complain. Like I, my school life in comparison to so many others was actually quite enjoyable. And I wasn't like subjected to merciless bullying or anything like that. But I was very depressed about it. And it felt like it was just never gonna end. And so when I was about 14, one of my teachers, she went to the doctor and she said that she thought I might have anorexia. And then I was, my dad was brought in and we had to sit there and have this discussion with the doctor and these, and they basically just were like coming up with these strategic plans of how to make me put on weight and all these things of like, it was just so frustrating because they sat there saying, Oh, you know, you should eat more nuts or you should eat porridge. And it was difficult because I couldn't, in the mornings, I was so tired. I felt so ill from from how exhausted I was that I could barely eat. I couldn't really eat until about- I couldn't eat in the morning. morning anyway. No, I couldn't eat in the morning. I, I still can't eat in the morning. Yeah, the prospect of having to eat I need to be awake for like two hours before I can eat. Yeah, the prospect of having to eat porridge at friggin' six in the morning was, not, was very depressing. And then basically, because of, because she had voiced this concern, it was like, everyone was kind of, I was like being watched. People were kind of observing me all the time, my eating patterns. Um, And then when I was on a class trip, shortly after this happened, I was on a class trip and all of the food sucked. So I wasn't really eating because I hated all the food. And so I was was barely eating anything. And then I was tipped off by one of my friends that one of the mothers who was, um, who had come along on the class trip to kind of help, um, you know, babysit I guess um she's a doctor and it turned out she was like had been tasked with watching me to assess whether or not I might have an eating disorder 
terrible. It is. I had no idea this was going on. And I don't think mom and dad knew this was going on either. And mm-hmm. so then it was kind of, then there was, I felt so pressured into eating because it was like, well, I'm being watched now. And what if they, what if they think I am? And what if they get the child services involved or something like that? And what if I get taken away or what if they force me to go to a clinic? And I was really, really, really anxious about this, which makes sense, obviously, because I felt like I was being watched all the time. And um, then I did put on some weight um, I filled up, I get, I filled out, I guess, you know, towards the age of 15, I kind of, um, things kind of evened out a bit and everything was fine. But then um, people always, people always commented on my weight. It was either commented on how much I'd put on or how much I'd take, how much I'd lost. Um, so, which is, it's very, it is, it's very distressing actually, if, if people keep commenting on your weight, you know, on what you look like. And so I, and I didn't like it. I I found it, I found it very, quite, I found it quite difficult to cope with. And so then the older I got, I, I then, I, you know, sort of my weight fluctuated. I was never like, I was never overweight. Um, Cause like all of us are quite skinny actually. Um, so in the, like all of us in the family were quite thin. So, um, until 27 and then, (laughs) (laughs) then it, then it, then you balloon out. Um, so I, how do you know you're 27? (laughs) I'm 27 now, but also at 15, someone said to me, and I know they didn't mean anything by it, but they said to me, I really admire that you don't care about your figure. Hmm. And I know they meant it in a good way, but that really, really made me worry and it really made me self-conscious about my figure and um then much later because then it was i was there again like i never really put on much weight but with hormonal fluctuation i did and like for instance um there was a uh, when i went on the pill i did put on some weight like not too much but like you retain so much water when you're on the pills or at least i did and um so and it was quite noticeable i felt and um, then in my 20s, I developed something called orthorexia. Disclaimer, they are not mental health professionals. Any advice or information given in this podcast is based on their personal experiences and is meant to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness. Thank you for listening. This message was brought to you by the good of humanity. which is, it's quite difficult because it's not actually, it isn't formally recognized as an eating disorder. It's kind of in between an eating disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. It's sort of, see, some people think it might be related to anorexia and or what can happen is you can start off with orthorexia and that can lead to anorexia. And so basically just, I mean, it's not like, it's getting more and more recognition, but I don't think a lot of people know what it is. And basically like symptoms of it are like, you're very, you compulsively check um, ingredients and like the nutritional labels of food. You're very concerned about how healthy your food is. Mm-hmm. You start like cutting out types of food. Um, in my case, I refuse to eat anything with refined sugar in it. Um, I wouldn't eat wheat. I wouldn't eat, I tried to stop eating carbs altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is like, um, is it so like you, a form find, of getting control over what? Yes, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you kind of, you, you get very obsessed with like how healthy your food is and you spend ages thinking about what you're going to eat or if you're going to, if you, if you, if you have to go to a party or something, or you have to go to a restaurant, you start like obsessively thinking about what you're going to eat. And, um, it's, and you might, um, and like some people do have this, some people don't like, you might have problems with like your body image. Like you might see your, you might be very, very obsessive about like how your, what your figure is like. And in my case, I was very, very obsessive about how, thi- how thin I was. It was that like I wanted to be really, really thin. So that's why I think it, it was, it started off as just being, it started off as I wanted to kind of 
lose some weight after a hormonal imbalance, like I said, because it wasn't just, it was, I had put on some weight and I wanted to kind of come down again from that. Mm. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, easy way, what are easy ways to lose weight? So I stopped eating wheat and then I stopped eat, try to stop eating carbohydrates altogether, or I would like only eat carbs once a day. Um, I wouldn't eat anything with refined sugar in it. So sweets, cake, anything like that, chocolate, absolutely off limits. I was, would just about agree to eat, um, ketchup, which has refined sugar in it, but I wasn't hundred percent happy with that either. Mm. Um, I was mainly just living off like vegetables and some, and proteins. So just, I would just eat a fried egg on its own for breakfast, for instance, or I'd just eat a smoothie, drink a smoothie. And, um, if I ever swayed from it, like if I was in the scenario where it was like a birthday and it was kind of would been, would have been rude not to eat cake, I would either pretend to eat it and throw it away or I would eat it, but then I would really, really, really suffer. And I would really beat myself up about it. And I would, I would just think that I destroyed everything. And it got kind of worse and worse and worse, which to the point where I was, it was, I was never like, I never had to go to hospital. I was never like, I never had to be committed to like a eating disorder clinic, clinic or anything like that. But I did lose the significant amount of weight and my obsessive overthinking of things was it did get out of hand to the point where like if somebody wanted to meet me to eat um if I wanted to go to a restaurant I would just not eat all day because I was scared of what was going to be in the food like I because I don't know what's going to be in the food like if I'm going mm. to a restaurant I don't know what they're putting in there so I don't know if refined sugar may, may have gotten in there or if there's wheat in there or something like that so I would not eat for the entire day and then just eat the meal at the restaurant. But I would also there kind of like be more inclined to just eat a salad. But then oftentimes I would tell the waiter waitress to not bring me any bread because I knew that if the bread was there, I'd be too tempted to eat it. Mm. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, because then I would feel bad about myself. So I was, and I was kind of becoming addicted to losing weight every time I would weigh myself obsessively. And every time I lost weight, I was, thrilled every kilo that I lost was just a win and every time I slipped up and ate something that I probably shouldn't have eaten or like I felt I shouldn't have eaten I was miserable about it and like it the trouble was I was I had a very active lifestyle as well at the time so I think I was I just finished school so I probably had started university and I was um so I was going to university I was also working um, part-time, obviously I had a student job. And the thing was, I had like very, very long hours. Like sometimes when I was working at the cinema, I would work up to 13 hours in a day. Cause I would do a double shift or something. Right. And I would sometimes just, I didn't have, obviously I couldn't, you couldn't, you can't do that on vegetables and you can't do that on a salad. You need the energy. So if I then would, I would like starve myself and starve myself. And then until I got to the breaking point and then I would slip up and eat like nachos with that weird fake cheese, or I would eat a, a bounty. And then the point at which I realized that something was de desperately wrong was when I'd, I slipped up and I ate a bounty, I think. And then I went to the loo and I considered making myself throw it up again because I felt so guilty for eating a bounty, right? Mm. And then I realized that was like one of the moments where I realized this is, this is madness. Like I'm, I weigh, I weighed how much, maybe like 48 kilos at that point. And I'm like, what am I? I'm like five foot five, six or five, six and a half. Um, it was, I was underweight, like grossly underweight. And I, um, but I was so ashamed of having eaten a bounty that I consider making myself sick. And one of my biggest fears is being sick, like th throwing up. I have a weird irrational fear of throwing up. And I was so, it gotten so out of hand that I was actually considering doing that to myself. So I think that what started off as like a, a sort of diet, I guess, turned into a, a quite an obsessive behavior um along the lines of orthorexia but it did spiral into I, it's hard for me to say that i spiraled into anorexia because i feel like it's almost i almost have this weird imposter syndrome when it comes to anorexia because i had friends who had severe anorexia and so i don't feel comfortable comparing myself to them not because i'm not because there's any shame in it at all it's just that i feel i saw what they went through and i know that i was able to stop myself before it got that far 
And so I don't know if I can even, it's hard for me to say like, oh, I had anorexia, but I feel like it was definitely going in the direction of anorexia for sure. And these are stepping stones in, in this direction. But, um, but do you know, or do you think to know what was, if there's something specific that was making you have the feeling that you have to do this? Um, I think, I don't really, it's, it's it just, difficult. Do you think I it's think, just like this society image thing that uh, so that age is just really important to people? I think um, it's a lot of things. I think for one thing, I think control is a massive thing, especially because in my early 20s is when I really started to, when I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Mm. And one of the problems that you face with an anxiety disorder is, is constantly feeling like you're not in control. And I was so, I was very, very desperate to control my weight because I had put on some weight at that time, like I said, due to a hormonal imbalance thing. Mm. And I, I, even though like, I never see someone who is, if I see someone who's not skinny or if I see someone who's overweight, I never think bad things about them and I never feel like they're unattractive or I never judge them mm. at all. It doesn't really occur to me, but I judge myself so harshly if I put on weight. And I think, I mean, of course, there is a lot of, there is a lot of pressure from society to be skinny and to live up to these ridiculous um body images from you know what you see on television like from hollywood because you know actors and actresses they have a lot of time to be at the gym you know <laughs> they have all day to be at the gym and they have like nutritionists and they have personal trainers and that's uh, it's like something that's attainable if you have the time but if you're working a full-time job if and you and you have like outside you know and in, in my case i was often studying, doing multiple, um, multiple Jobs. theater projects at the same time, plus working, mm. there was no, t I'd never, I was never in the gym, to be honest. Like, so I went, I did swim. I would go swimming with a friend, but that was also it was like a couple of times a week. Um, and I, but I was so afraid of putting on weight. I think also because of, I guess also from seeing people that I know, how they would be, how they were treated, you know, and how people, I remember at school, like, uh, there was a really mean girl in my class who just publicly body shamed one of my friends, like in the cruelest way. And body shaming I, happens a lot at school. Yeah. I mean, and like, obviously I, I, def I mean, I was, I was mortified and I like defended my friend, but yeah. that's like, <laughs> Like as as much as I you know defended her, like the things were still said, you know. And uh, the thing that really stuck with me was I remember her asking, being asked how much she weighs, and then she said how much she weighed, and then this guy said, "Oh, I weigh the same amount." And then the other girl was like, "Yeah, but you're a guy. It's okay because you're a guy, mm. and it's not okay as a woman to weigh that much." And I I was just I don't know. It was that something that's just really stuck in my head that it's sort of it's terrifying if like i think that's a, even though like i would never speak to someone like that and i would never even think those things about someone else i judge myself so much harder than anyone else and um i think because people would always notice and comment every time i put on weight or every time i lost weight i felt like everyone would notice if i put on weight everyone will see it and so i have to keep my weight down and i and I, and also like, I feel like the height of being really, really skinny was when we were quite young, you know, like it's been going on for a while since the sixties with Twiggy and so on. It has been a, an ideal that has been going along for a while, but I feel like when we were, when we were quite young, you know, like the Kira Knightley type, it was, a, and, and, you know, Kate Moss, and there was this, the sort of heroin chic, um, that look, or Giselle Bunchkin, you know? that was a very, very in while we were young. And that was like, I feel like at very impressionable ages, that was something that we were exposed to. And so that was kind of the ideal. And, and the whole so, discussion, I think the whole discussion about, about um, bodies has only recently become 
more there in in social media and in generally in media that yeah. um different types of body shapes are natural and okay and beautiful yeah exactly because like i remember growing up one of the worst things you could say to someone is that they're fat you know i mean you know when, when we were at school children that were more uh or heavier than others did suffer a lot from from yeah. from being, being from, bullied from being bullied i mean so i have but the things i did have very intense experiences with body shaming not on myself so much but um and it didn't occur to me until much later how severe it was but i mean i studied classical ballet at the theater university in um munich and i started when i was like 10 and so mm. at that age you know you don't really understand these kind of things so well but until and i studied there until i was 17 and now in hindsight i do see how especially the girls were but also but that's also boys I mean, there were less boys and they were happy if there were boys there in general yeah. but um the girls were bullied terribly by the by the teachers mm. and i had a friend she was she was a great dancer and um but when she hit puberty she put on slightly she put on more weight but she was still she was still very athletic and she was by any standards she was she was skinny and muscular but by this and this is a cliche but the cliche is absolutely true about the classical ballet world and it is actually a terrible toxic environment in my opinion and yeah. i i'm i'm still sad that at that time i didn't shift over to contemporary dance because I, but i was just somehow at the time I was fixated on classical ballet, but I had a friend and she was bullied by the teachers until she, she actually became bulimic and she mm. just lost so much weight. And she was very, um, she wasn't in a good condition. And the thing is she lost, eventually she lost so much weight because she wasn't eating. And she was, if she did eat, she, she would um, force it out of her body um, mm -hmm. that she was, she came to the point when she was physically um, at her limit because of course, um, classical ballet training is is a huge physical um, tax has a huge physical tax on the body and you need a lot of energy yeah and if at the same time you're not eating it's just it's really basically that is you're basically just you're going to be you're going to be digesting your own muscles yeah That's the next thing and, your body goes for yeah and and what happened and so things started happening to her body like she was her period stopped coming mm. and um her, her body changed her hair changed so it got sort of um brittle and mm. and her nails and she was very very unhealthy and um um luckily she um just decided to quit because it was just not working and they were bullying her and it and um and um, then she um did therapy and and got healthy now she's now she's a dancer a temporary dancer and, and not a classical ballet dancer and this is you know she's doing great but um if you're in a young age and there is a system which is bullying you into into mm. doing this kind of stuff then um that is very damaging and like i said at the time i was just too young to really understand what's fucked up and wrong about this system yeah and but it did also reflect on my physical um how i see my my physique as it were because i was i was very skinny it took a long time for me i would i was I, when i was um it took a long time for me to sort of grow tool and and i was very 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 skinny and mm. i did have this image of myself for a long time that i'm that i'm too skinny and for a man because there was this idea that a man has to be tall and muscular yeah and i do remember beca also becoming kind of obsessed with with this like becoming taller and becoming more muscular and i would just i would force myself to eat protein and lots mm. of protein and lots of carbs and exercise and exercise and exercise. I just, I just wasn't putting on weight because my body in a hormonal sense just wasn't at that point. And it didn't really yeah. start until the beginning of my twenties that I just started to um, get what is known as a manly physique, which I now know is something which is completely ridiculous and unnecessary and, and a construct of, of our weird 
binary oriented society where a man has to be like this and a woman has to be like that. Yeah. Um, but I do know that this did influence me in such a way that for a long time afterwards, I wasn't actually aware of the fact that my body had changed. I just bought my clothes too small because I was <laughs> convinced that I was a small man and it took me until my mid-twenties to realize that I, I now have to actually buy medium or large-sized clothes. <laughs> because, um, it's, not my, it's not my size. And, yeah. But, um, but I, I do... Thinking... Yeah, but... but Sorry, yeah, no, um, but... And this is something which now, 10 years, 20... No, 10. 13 years later, after I finished uh, studying at the, the Dance Academy, um, this... It, it does it is I'm aware of the fact that it was a very, very toxic, unhealthy environment for mm. everyone who was there. And that's when you start that young, it's hard to tell you don't yeah, know you, any better. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know any better. And it caused so much damage. And um I mean there were also there were you know, every year someone would be kicked out because they were too tall, too short, too thin, too fat, you know, you name it. They found mm. something wrong with it. And um, at the time you sort of hoped you would just get through the next year and you would take part in this terrible, sick, elitist system. Yeah, it's like the of, Hunger Games, man. Yeah, it was it's like the Hunger Games. And like I said, the cliches about the classical ballet world are 100% true. They are definitely 100% true from my experience. And I'm just now at 30, I'm just sad that I didn't, when I was younger, shift to a more open-minded um inclusive area of, of physical expression in dance in a contemporary form because i can't even i actually don't even enjoy watching classical ballet anymore because i can all i can see is how sick the, yeah. the whole thing is and if i do go to watch dance performances it's it's contemporary and i understand it now but um it's like um, sometimes it's almost culty sometimes classical ballet is like no offense to anyone yeah, who does classical ballet but is it does have a certain culty aspect to it and it is so exclusive not just to and not just in the physicality of people but also in it's also is has been very heavily criticized for the sexism and racism and justly and so and ableism because, yeah because from my experience like i said i just repeat and ageism again, and ageism the 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 cliches are 100% true but i mean of course this applies also to to many um athletics you know of mm -hmm. course they expect a certain level of quality as they would call it or physical ability or physical um um ableness or or um appropriateness or i'm trying to find the word but a physical they want to they have like a specific physical specimen in mind yes uh, if you don't fit that mind, it's yeah. kind of hard to to do it you know yeah and and uh, and of course the 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 criticism would be or they would say okay you know if you don't approve this it's just because you you know you're not good enough you don't fit you don't yeah. fit and yeah, yeah. but i've come to the conclusion like i said now 13 years later um that it was, in my opinion, not, it's the system. I don't think it's appropriate for our times and I don't think it's healthy. And yeah, like I said, I mean, it did have an influence on how I see my body, how I still see my body, how I'm still, I think I still do have a disproportionately high expectation of my physical um Appearance I feel like you do ableness. monitor your body a lot more a lot. Than, than other people that I do know for sure. Like you do monitor it more. No, I do. And that's I, like what I do too. That's that's the problem. Is like the again. I think that's where I feel like anxiety comes in a bit as well. Is because because that's a typical thing to do if you have yeah. an anxiety disorder is to keep monitoring everything all the time, and that can also translate to being quite obsessive about your body. But I also think I also think that these kind of old traditional systems can enhance and even cause anxiety related um, disorders and um, I think the pressure like I said that was put on, on my friend to be uh, more skinny and they actually did say you know if you don't lose weight next year you won't be in this academy mm -hmm. anymore and yeah. people you know they 
wanted to be in this academy because it was the best school in Munich. And if you weren't in that, then, you know, basically you, there's no point in, in continuing to dance. And the trauma that was caused on the people, I know that every year someone had to go and it was, you know, heartbreaking to them. Yeah. Because, I mean, the thing is what, if you, like, if you, just for people who don't necessarily don't know this world, but ballet training is, um, it's very intense. It's not just a once a week, twice a week thing. It's an every single day thing. You mm -hmm. train every day and you do that for years and years and years and your entire world revolves around it. And you don't have, you don't like, it's like I'm, I, I, you know, auditioned to try and get into the same school as you and you got, we auditioned at the same time. You got in, I didn't. In hindsight, I'm so relieved so glad you that I didn't get in. get in because at the end, of the day, I didn't even like ballet. Mm. I didn't like dancing. I didn't enjoy it. And I was, I'd been doing it at a different school where it was just like twice a week. And I didn't even enjoy that. And for some reason, I was still just going along with it, just going through the motions and doing it. I did it for like four years at that one school. The second I didn't get into the state-run school that you got into, I just dropped out immediately and said, I don't want to ever dance again. Mm. Um, and I was very disappointed at the time or very, I felt I was really, I, I just, it wasn't even like, like again, said I'm so, I'm so relieved in, in hindsight, I didn't get in, but I felt like I'd failed. I felt so much like I'd failed. Um, but I know that it was for the best because can you imagine, like, I can't, I saw that with, um, with people who were at that school that they had no life outside of it. They didn't have, they weren't, it's hard to have a social life with like your school friends, you know? No, I mean, I was, I was there six days a week until I was um, almost 17. And in hindsight, I mean, at the time when I, when my physical, um, not, what's the word, <laughs> inappropriateness or my physical, what was physically wrong with me that made me have to leave the school um, happened. I was, I was shattered. Yeah, but I remember. in hindsight, I'm very glad because, um, like I said, the people I know who studied there, the people who got out earlier and started doing something else connected with the arts, um, in my opinion, had a much more interesting, exciting and um, rich experience and the same would apply to me I think um, yeah sure and I'm not saying this out of bitterness I'm saying this out of the conclusion that it is a very tough world where you know your career could be over any day with an injury mm -hmm. and the yeah. latest in your mid-30s it's um it's over and like, um yeah women can tend to be able to dance slightly longer than men but if you decide to have a baby that could end your entire career. Yeah. And um, that's, so I think as an art form, it could be beautiful, but it is outdated. The whole system yeah. is outdated. It's not. And coming back to the whole um, food thing and body shaming, I think the damage which is caused to young people is not in proportion to the artistic result mm. of a performance. And that's why now, like I said, after having reviewed it many, many years later, I just can't actually enjoy the art form anymore because I know the industry, or if that's what you want to call it, which is um, not the industry, but the what's no, led to is, that moment. But it's kind of like an industry. It is an like industry, factory. Yeah. Like the factory, like the, the people dancing and performing, uh, they are they have to meet these um, uh, these unrealistic um, expectations. Yeah, expectations, and um, and really give a lot of their life away for that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but yeah, sucking. at the cost of their health, their body, their health, it's yeah. a, the, the physical strain on your body and the mental strain of and the mental strain is, is, is quite disastrous. And I think also like from my, from my perspective, um, when it comes to my body, like, I think again, 
it is it is not at all dissimilar as an actress mm. the body shaming that goes on the body shaming that many actresses have to put up with um if for mainstream you know films and so on is really horrific and that was another because it's always been it was always what I wanted to do was to act always and I still want to do it I still want to do it but I have I know so many stories from actresses who are like well I wanted to you know an agent was like interested in signing with me but the deal was I had to you know I had to become like three clothing sizes smaller in order to sign with an agent you know yeah and um that is something that's kind of always been ingrained in me from the very beginning was this feeling, this idea that there is a certain expectation of how I have to look if I want to act. And I have to, if I stray from that, then it'll, it'll be over. And that obviously isn't true. I know it's not true, but like, I know logically that it's not true, but I have always, there has always been this pressure that I have to stay a certain clothes size. And I, for the most part, my weight has stayed quite quite the same for quite a few years now. I did have a bad relapse in, so the, the, the when it really got out of hand with the orthorexia and um, sort of verging on anorexia, but like I said, it never got to the point where I had to go to hospital or anything. That was, I think, straight after school, so probably around 2013 or something, but I had another relapse um, in, I think, 2016 can't remember exactly it was 2016 or 17 but I had a really massive relapse for a time there where I did lose a significant amount of weight and the trouble is that I often can't really see it and it's like the thinner I get the more I like the way I look and then but then there was a time where I had it was a party and I knew what I wanted to wear and then I put on the dress and it didn't fit me it was like so baggy and it was supposed to be tight fitting. It was so baggy. It looked ridiculous. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go get a new dress. So I went to a shop and I was like in the changing room trying to find clothes to fit me. And then it was like one of those all round mirrors. And then I saw myself in an all round mirror and I was so shocked by what I saw. I was so shocked at like being able to see like my shoulder blades, the back, like how far they were protruding and how, how thin I'd gotten that I kind of realized that again it had gotten out of hand and I needed to sort it out but the thing is this I think what's hard is I don't know when I when I go back to therapy I, this is something I want to work on but I don't even know they don't actually have there, there is no therapy for orthorexia it often like you can there's there isn't anything you can do like you can get at the moment you can get um therapy so either you'll sort of um, get therapy along the lines of what you would you would do if you had anorexia or they will do similar to things that you would do to help someone who has obsessive compulsive disorder because it's kind of seen as something in between anorexia and obsessive compulsive disorder mm. so that's like what they've that they're doing at the moment and I think it is getting people it's becoming more known but it there isn't really a treatment out there for orthorexia and um, at the moment but I think this is like an interesting example of how like on an intellectual um, level where you can, we are now at our age and with what we've read and what we've talked about to people are able to critically um, observe what is wrong about these ideas and the society, it's still very difficult to get away from the idea. I mean, for example, two years ago when I was in a, in a I had a, a phase of, of a strong, strong phase of or strong I fell back into a strong phase of anxiety and depression mm -hmm. and I just didn't do anything I just ate a lot of bad food and I, I you know I put on weight and I weighed 75 kilos which isn't a lot for someone who's um six foot tall but um because of I think still because of this what was ingrained on me in the ballet school mm. and through society I just felt really disgusting and unattractive mm -hmm. and and like i said this is it's not an appropriate reaction because i wasn't overweight i was still within a normal weight level for my height and age and everything but i felt 
really bad about it. And like I said, even though on an intellectual level, I knew it wasn't unnormal yeah. and that these body standards which are expected are not necessarily realistic, but I did force myself to eat less or only eat specific things and start exercising regularly because I just felt miserable mm-hmm. in that condition. And But even though I knew that I didn't have to feel miserable because I wasn't even overweight, <laughs> it yeah. was um, part of this idea, this vision or this um, picture I had of how I should be mm-hmm. according to what society expected of me or maybe even what I was experiencing from a very young age of having to, you know, have a a specific physique, um, Mm -hmm. did really um, bother me. And I didn't, I stopped, I didn't date people because I just thought, you know, I can't go out like this. And this is, and now in hindsight, I can see that that was, was wrong, but I also do realistically know that I still can't shake these ideas, these things so easily. No, and I'm so unkind to myself sometimes. Like the things that I say to myself yeah. are really awful. Like no, I mean I know this. I mean, like, at that time, I remember going to the gym for the first time and then seeing myself in the change room in the mirror. <laughs> I thought I just um, it just really depressed me. And and again, I have to repeat this because it's so important that it doesn't. I wasn't. I wasn't unusual. No, my that's the size. Thing. And I think also the weirdest thing is like I. It the feeling was there anyway. Yeah, and the thing is again, like I, it's it is also just to me if I see if I see someone else who is I don't know who's who's you know not skinny or who's just just has an average body or is or who is overweight. I never think to myself, oh my god, that looks terrible. Ever, I've never thought that in any way. It's no, I only, also only think about it by myself. Also. Exactly. It's just about myself. And I'm and I notice it's everything. It's it's everything. If it, so say if somebody's skin isn't that great, I don't look at them and think, oh my God, you're disgusting. Never. But if I have one friggin' spot in my face, I'm deeply like angry at myself for having let my body produce a, like an impurity in my face. It's mm. ridiculous. You know? It's really, really it's, it doesn't it's 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 I don't know. It's so worrying. I hate it. I really hate being like this, but it's something but that I... Think, but I do think these things, these obsessions and worries and fears and and do come from, like you said, the generation we grew up in um, where all media was obsessed with a particular kind of body type, skin type, um, mm-hmm. and everything. And I mean, I think it has become more of a discussion it has become something which there is more awareness about body shaming nowadays yeah um it fluctuates in both directions i my feeling is it fluctuates in one way and then the other again yeah um but i do think it's improved compared to when we were younger I think sure. for sure, I, I do think it is getting better. It's definitely, I think the fact that it's being discussed and that people who are body shaming are being called out yeah. is already a great step in the right direction because it was just, I wasn't like, like I said, like at school when my friend was being bullied, I did like obviously say like, you know, shut the fuck up, leave her alone. Um, but it's it wasn't being reprimanded by the teachers. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't really being spoken about properly, I don't feel. And um, it was perfectly normal to, to, to call someone, to say someone is fat as an, as an insult. Like it was something so shameful that you should be, that it's an insult to you, you know? Yeah. That was perfectly normal. And like, again, like I say, in, in very popular sitcoms from the 90s, the body shaming that goes on is really disturbing when i see them now like how they just i don't know blatantly insult people who are overweight or have who have put on weight if if you know if a character in a in a in a film or a sitcom puts on weight everyone comments on it for and 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 just and don't let it go basically until that person loses the weight again yeah it's also often used as a sign that someone is unwell yeah or that someone's let themselves go let themselves go that if they yeah they gain weight or yeah 
or change something changes about their appearance um yeah it's true i think in in media is uh, used as something to show that someone is degenerating somewhere yeah which is and that's like like you said like i feel like we grew up in maybe possibly the peak of that because i think a more curvy figure was seen as desirable before like earlier then in the 60s i think there was kind of a change in what was seen as you know desirable and that got more and more extreme i feel um until like in, in, in way into those 2000s for sure and we would have internalized that and so i think that is definitely an element of it um i think the element of control is another thing because there were phases when i was like when i desperately wanted to be um desperately wanted to be more curvy you know i desperately wanted to have boobs you know when i was a teenager and i did like my weight fluctuated quite a lot um but then there was oh there was oh there's another thing that was a massive problem for me was i developed this is this is like but like what you said i think when when i was young there was this is such a terrible thing also about this this binary society that Mm. we grew up in that there's a particular idea so a woman should be super skinny but have big breasts but have massive tits like how is that and a man should be tall muscular and um have lots of hair on their head but not so much hair on their body (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so um all these these things they were so present and so strong and I remember also, like you said, as a teenager, you you wanted to you wanted to be more curvy. I, as a teenager, I you know because it took me a, <laughs> such a long time to get to to grow because I was just you know I was just slow. I was just you know, my body was taking its time. And I remember that um, I was so. I think we should probably do an episode about, <laughs> about being at school. We yeah, I desperately want to do one about being at school. There's so many anxieties about being, about, around school. About being a teenager and being about school, but everything about being at school. But I think I do remember that I also just I was just I was just begging my body to to grow, yeah. to grow taller, to be yeah. muscular, to and and all this stuff. And um and I think these all this suffering could probably be it would probably be much less if if like like we said before we didn't grow up in a society which had this um a binary society which had these specific ideas yeah this about what a man should be about what a woman should be because as a child you're not old enough you're not intellectually trained enough to see what's fucked up and wrong about it yeah yeah totally all that trauma could be avoided i think if in a younger age it just really didn't matter yeah and also like again i think a big where i think media comes in is that a representation thing because i was just thinking about this just now um for both boys and girls but possibly in a way more for boys um you know those like those teen series is about like high school teens all of the actors in that are in their mid-20s but they're supposed to be like 16, 15, 17 year olds and they're buff as shit. Most 16 year old boys don't look like that. Mm. Like it's quite like, you know, you get your exceptions, but for the most part, teenage boys are not ridiculously buff and tall and grown up looking. And the actors we see are all over 20. They're pretending to be teenagers. So, which again, I think gives you a full sense of what you're supposed to look like as a teenager. Yeah. Because it's an awkward phase. You don't know like what's exactly is going to happen at the other end. Um, but I remember being so self-conscious. Like I said, like, you know, I, there were phases where I was just begging, begging, begging my boobs to grow because everyone else in my class had boobs and was wearing bras and only me and one other girl were like almost completely flat chested. And I remember this really horrible scenario where we were at a swimming pool and my breasts had actually started to grow. And one girl said, she was complaining about the size of her boobs, which was because they were quite small. And then she was like, even Lois has bigger (laughs) boobs than me. 
And I was so shocked by this statement because I was like, I am what people are measuring themselves by. My tiny, like my boobs are so small that that is what you measure your boobs by. Like as long as you're not as small as Lois or if Lois's boobs surpass my boobs, then it's over. Like what? I was so devastated by this. Like I was so, it, it was, I was just so ashamed about like because I was like I said I was very very skinny which is also one of the reasons why that teacher friggin went to the doctor and said I might have anorexia because I was I wasn't like it's not even that I was a slow bloomer I was just a regular bloomer I would say like I didn't I wasn't particularly late or early I just kind of would say I kind of became pretty much the way I am now is like I was it's very similar to how I was at about 15, 16. So although there has been weight fluctuations, like I said, um, for the most part, around the age of 15, I kind of filled out, I would say. But at 14, I was still incredibly skinny and flat-chested. Well, I was but both a late and an early bloomer. <laughs> because <laughs> I think, I mean, like I said, it took a long time for me to realize that I'd grown into the body of what society sees as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after that, I started getting my first gray hairs. (laughs) (laughs) So basically puberty (laughs) just went directly into middle age with me, (laughs) uh, which is, you know, I wish I could have just had like a 10 years of just being physically perfect (laughs) in every way, but you know, but again, physically per- they, what does physically perfect know, even yeah, mean? Obviously in the sense of what society had expected of me, um, which I did not fulfill in that sense. Anyway, um, I think that wraps it up for part two of episode 13. Um, for next week, we haven't decided yet. We're going to do a poll on Instagram again. So um, please vote. Please check yeah. out our Instagram page. And um, If you have Instagram and you don't follow us yet, um, feel free to head over to our Instagram page our handle is at anxiety underscore calling or if you just put in anxiety calling we will pop uh, pop up (laughs) we will pop up um you'll recognize this the picture of the telephone and everything um so yeah we usually do our polls around midweek when do we do them like yeah when we get around to it we'll get around we like stay tuned tuned (laughs) follow us on instagram take part in our poll um Thank you for listening. As always, if you enjoyed the episode um, or if you enjoyed the podcast altogether, do leave us a good review. Um, you know, recommend us to your friends, families, co-workers, everyone, you know, that you might think could be interested in us. Um, yeah, and we will be back. <laughs> yep. And if you have anything you'd like to share with us, don't hesitate, write to us. We'd be very happy to be in contact with you. 